0: Welcome to Thrive Church Online. We are here to know God, to grow in Him, and go. We hope you feel encouraged and equipped through this week's message. So we're in weeks of um, identity. I don't even know. Like this is the, every now and then I do a series that doesn't end. This is it. Um, theoretically next week is the is the end of it Uh, I've got some other things that I I feel like the Lord's calling me to teach on Uh, but um, so today we're going to talk a little bit about your identity and dealing with the power of words Um, and they're really that's the next two weeks because so this week we're going to talk about how uh, part of your identity are the words you use towards the world Um, but the other thing is um, uh, what do you say about you Do you say stuff about you that makes Jesus mad? We'll talk about it next week. So anyway, so this week we want to talk about, because I'm about to solve 80% of the marriage problems that you're ever going to go through. I'm going to solve 80% of child rearing. I'm going to give you an 80% leg up on getting a promotion at work. Solving your problems when people make you mad. I can solve 80% of your problems at Walmart. This one's free, don't go. Um, So a guy named Gary Chapman wrote a book um, called The Five Love Languages. Uh, It's a book that I recommend to every married couple. And basically he says that there are five languages that we speak. So if you have been married for any length of time and one of you goes away on a trip, here's what happens. Now, if you're young, this only happens in the context of marriage. I don't think we say that enough anymore. But right. like you don't sleep with everybody. Right. You don't let all your goodies hang out. That's right. That's I, like. I mean, we used to have to work to see goodies. That's right. Come on. Come on. Now, I feel, I feel like an old guy telling people to get off my lawn. Like, we, no, like I, I graduated in 93. We had to work to see goodies. Now you just stand on the corner and goodies walk by. Because here's what the... No, no, no. Here's what the world wants to teach you is that what is special is ordinary. So if you're married, here's what happens. Somebody goes on a business trip. We've got a couple of folks that are flying out. Uh, at least one of them, possibly two of them, are going away for an extended period of time on their first flight and first business trip ever. And and that's good... Um, but, and they're like, man, I'm worried about my family, and all those things are natural, right? But I said, here's the thing about being gone, is it makes the person who leaves miss the person they have a lot, and it makes the person that's left behind appreciate the things about their spouse that are, that are, that are not there, even the little idiosyncrasy things. Like My wife, I never shut drawers. They're always left about that far open and it drives my wife nuts. But when I'm gone and I've come back the first week, she's like, I miss shutting drawers for you. (laughs) And I'm like, baby, I'm here to bless you. (laughs) (laughs) But Gary Chapman says this, he says that that the five love languages, I'm going to go ahead and give them to you, are words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service and physical touch. The problem is, is that sometimes we don't speak the same love language. We don't speak the same language as the people we're dealing with. Um, I am a gift giver. It's one of the things that I do. However, my wife is a quality time person. So I can give her all the gifts she wants and I'm speaking Chinese when what she wants is, is English, which is, quali- which is quality time. So you can create this impasse in your relationship because you don't speak the same language. It's the equivalent of, we went to the, we went to the, the uh, uh, Dominican Republic this year. Is that right? Dominican Republic? If not, it's a foreign country. And I figured this out. Um, I, I don't speak Spanish. You cannot fake Spanish by putting an L in front of every word and an O at the end of it. <laughs> All you're going to do is frustrate the people you're talking to. I need to find an L-O restoranto. Our cab driver could speak a little English. He just looked at me, shook his head, no. So, in Gary Chapman's book, what he says is this: He said that when a lot of people travel, uh, male or female, the husband or the wife travels. That when they come back, the first thing that the husband wants to do is connect intimately, and the first thing that the world that the woman wants to do is create psychologically. She wants to go out to dinner and connect on an emotional level and, and a heart level. And. So what happens is the husband's wanting. And she's wanting... So the husband doesn't get... And the wife doesn't get... And so what they get is in a fight. Because they're trying to speak two different languages. So what I did was I stepped back and I said, Man, so as a man, um, there are some common traits in most of us. Most men, one of their primary love languages... And here's the thing, you most people are bilingual. Most people have more than one primary love language. So I went and I said, Hey... What is the main love language for men? And here's what I came up with. Uh, and it's from the Good Man Project. And it says this, For men, the main love language is words of affirmation because it's the language that shows respect and desire. So women, here, this is a freebie. Here's a key. If you want to connect with somebody, you, now I'm not saying you don't ever lie to people. There's a great book... Um, By a guy named Dale Carnegie called How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's been out, I think, since the 50s. I read it twice a year. At first, I thought it was how to BS people. I didn't read it for like 10 years of my ministry. And then I figured this out. It's very biblical in its process. It says, hey, look for the good in people and focus on that. You can affirm people. You can either tell your husband that he doesn't take the trash out or thank him for mowing the yard. You get to choose your focus in life. Can I say this? People that tend to focus on on the positive things that are going on around them are people that tend to be happier. It's like this. Can I say this? Our world pretty much sucks. Now, can I say this? Like, like I'm really concerned about what's going on in Israel and Palestine, and there are all these world issues I can be concerned about. But here's the thing: my house is going pretty decent, other than the fact that you know, cost of living is up forty percent. Um, my house is okay. I'm not in hospice with anybody. Um, You know, I I get along with my wife. I get along with my kid. We both are gainfully employed. Um, Our cars are running. They're not the newest, latest, greatest, but they're functional. This week we had a scare. Um, A doctor came in and looked at our son and said, hey, by the way, you broke your neck. (laughs) whoa. It it ended up being a scare. It was absolutely no truth. So here's the reality is that what you focus on. Now we could have, Started thinking about that and jumped off the cliff. I was, can I say there was some panic in the beginning? I broke all kinds of traffic laws getting to the doctor's office. But I know Jay, I would have dropped his name in a minute, but I know a captain. Of the... <laughs> you can vouch for him. Anyway, it wouldn't help. But, um, um, but, Guilford <laughs> Alamance, you know, I got to get to get. Anyway, so, so my point is this, is, is, is your life is going to depend on how you focus and what you choose to let come out of your mouth. It's like this in the moments where I thought something was seriously wrong with my son, I preferred to speak words of life that come out of Scripture. That by his stripes you were healed and made whole. That that no weapon formed against me will prosper. That right, so like I can either choose to retreat and let my words oh my gosh, he's gonna die. For men, just by just by group poll says this that men need words of affirmation. Men need to be told, hey, you're enough. Hey, you're wonderful. Hey, you're good at this. Hey, you're great. Do you know why some men choose to work so much? Because they get more affirmation on their job than they do in their house. I can just set the mic down and walk away if you want me to. Why does work become an obsession? Because they're getting the thing that their soul desires. God desires our praise. Why is humanity different? So, if you're a lady in here... Here's what I'm going to tell you. You have a tremendous weapon at your, at your resource and it is not your physical looks. Because here's the reality. I've never gone into a retirement home and looked at a lady and went, mm, she's smoking. <laughs> so whether you're a one or a 10, on the bell curve, at the end of the bell curve, we're all pretty much working off the same platform. But here's the difference. If you're a one at 20 but you're a woman who encourages and speaks life and speaks hope and speaks promise into a man, you bell curved up to about a six. But if you're a six and you put your man down and you're constantly negative, you just downgraded to about a two. Now here's the thing, that will hold through your whole life. And here's the thing: Have you ever gone to a rest home, and there's that crotchety old woman that you just want to loosen all the nuts on her on her wheelchair and let her just sit in the middle of the floor by herself? I'm not saying you would do it. I'm just saying you thought about it. And you thought, how did Mean get that old? And then there's that old person who's sitting there, and 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 man, they don't have all their faculties, and they're not, but man, they're happy. And they're just, man, they're so glad to see you. And they, and you're like, I picked this old person as my adopted grandparent, right? Like, like this person is kind of, because here's the thing. Who do you want to hang around? You always want to hang around people that make you feel better about you. You want to be around people that like you, people that appreciate you. Now we're getting ready to go into, into Thanksgiving. And every year I teach this thing on how to survive your family. Can I just say something? Your family's crazy. And it's not just yours. Unless if you're eating a TV dinner by yourself, at which point you're battling depression. You're going to deal with crazy. So let me ask a question. What's the best way to deal with crazy? In the beginning, Jesus spoke, God spoke, let there be and there was. What if we begin to use our words of affirmation? To absolutely transform and change people's lives. Not because we're just speaking positive. Because we're speaking life that comes from our Heavenly Father. For ladies, there's some conflicting reports. But it seems to be that the number one desire in women is between quality time, surprisingly enough, and words of affirmation. Because this... There's no woman who's ever... Listen, every woman... I'm going to make you a promise. Before you left your house today, you stood in front of a mirror of some kind and you went about as good as it's going to get. (laughs) You did the front on look. You did the side look. Some of y'all took it a step further. Right? Now here's the thing. Have you ever gotten all all prettied up for, for a guy? I'm talking about like you invested. You got the Wagner power painter out. You got out like the... <laughs> yeah, you got the, you got the dress that you thought was bang, bang, pow. You know what I'm talking about? See how I many of right now recognize the song? Anyway, you just are like, you're like, I'm there. And you walk out and your husband goes, hey, we got to leave right now. <laughs> yeah, we ain't going nowhere in more ways than one. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you have you ever have you ever got up and you got ready? And maybe you didn't put as much effort in it. Because let's be honest, there are scales of getting ready. Have you ever walked out and your husband was like, dang. Whew. Is it hot in here? Or is it you? Is it like ladies know what I'm talking about? And you're like, shut up. Or have you ever heard him talk about you in front of people? And what he and, and 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 you're like, man, I wish he would say this stuff when I like when it was just us, like like he's talking about me on a level that's because here's what happens, man. You get the choice of how to live your life. Real quick, um, here here here's the overall um thing. One, I hate the Huffington Post. Can I just say that off of jump? But they did a pretty good study. It says this of the of the five um of the five love languages. It says this, uh, of men and women, uh, a couple thousand people surveyed, 23% say words of affirmation. 20% are quality time, 20 are acts of service, 19 are physical touch, 18 are receiving gifts. Here's the thing, um, I, uh, TJ and I were talking and he said this, he, he, he was, years ago he lived in Mount Airy and it snowed real hard and in Mount Airy proper there are all these traffic lights that you have to go through. So you go like a couple hundred yards and traffic light and, it was snowing, and TJ was in his truck, which, by the way, he fixed the bumper and did a fantastic job. And um, he was in that truck years ago, and, and he came to, it snow and He came to a stop, and this little girl was just coming down the road, and she hit her brakes and popped right in the back of him. And he said, I didn't even get out of the truck. I just told her, it's okay. Don't worry about it. He said, so we go a couple hundred yards to the next traffic light. She hits me again. So he looks at her and he waves and says, It's okay, don't worry, you know, because he driver, you know, what do you do? And he goes to the third light, hits him again. He said, This time I decided that I needed to get out of the car. And he walked up to the window and he said, Honey, why do you keep hitting me? And she said, Well, I wouldn't if you would just tell me how to stop. I wasn't doing it on purpose, I just don't know how to change it. it, it, it I slide into it and cause damage before I even know how to correct it. See, I think a lot of us do that with our words. I think a lot of us damage the world around us with our words, not because we mean to, but because we slide into it without realizing it. We criticize, we're negative, we beat up on the people that we love, not because we want to, but because we slide into it, we don't know how to stop. Most of us were taught this lie, sticks and stones will break my bones, but that's out of hell. Like, where did that come from? Sticks and stones, yes, break bones. But we don't do much of that anymore. But man, words. There are kids that physically have committed suicide because of words that were posted and said to them at school and online. There are people that are sitting in this room that are living lifestyles that are that way because somebody spoke something. A first grade teacher spoke something over you. A boss spoke over something over you. An ex-husband, ex-wife spoke something over you. A parent spoke over you. A neighbor spoke over you. A coworker, You're living a life that is not the life that you're destined to live because you listen to the wrong words. Right. Now here's the reality. If you don't remember anything else that I teach you this morning, remember this. Words have the power to build up and destroy. Words have the power to build up and destroy. This morning you're going to have an opportunity to choose how you're going to live the rest of your life. You're going to have to realize that, that words have such impact over our lives that, that you can literally control part of the destiny that God has laid out for you by either getting in agreement or disagreement with what God said. Okay. I want you to imagine a home. Where you chose to focus on the good things that were going on. The good things your spouse did. How many of y'all have ever worked for somebody and you screwed something up. And you hoped that they would give you grace. You're like oh man. Why do, we, why do we look for that and even extend that at work. But not at home. Why do we talk nicer to the people that we don't like at work. Than we do the people we love at home. Why do we sound more like Jesus to the outside world than the people we're actually going to stand before God and give an account for? That was a good word right there. Like, okay. So here's what Jesus said. Matthew 18, 18 through 20 said, Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if you, the two of you agree on anything um, that they ask, for it will be done uh, for them, by my Father in heaven. For whether two or three are gathered in my name there. I'm among them. Let me ask you a question. What do you loosen in your life? Here's a question. What are you loosening in your spouse? What are you loosening in your kids? What are you loosening in the world around you? What are you loosening in your parents? What are you loosening in your siblings? What are you loosening in your friends? Like, like what does your verbiage sound like? Let me ask you a different question. Who are you chaining up? How are you shackling people? with the authority of the voice that God gave you. You see, here's the thing. If you're you're a chain breaker with your verbiage at work, you're going to have the best group of employees you can imagine. They'll die for you. If they know you've got your back and you're concentrating on the stuff they do right and you're minimizing the stuff that they do wrong. Now I'm not saying that we don't address problems. Dude, I address problems all the time. But it's how you address problems. Hey, look, this is great. This isn't even you. I had somebody lie to me in the last couple weeks. I looked at him and said, look, dude, I caught him, man. It didn't mean to. You ever caught somebody in something? And you're like. Oh. I looked at him and said, look, man, this isn't you. Boy, I'm not even holding this against you. You're better than this. Can we just move past it? And they're like, Phew. right? Where's that with your spouse? Where's that with your kid? Where's that with the people that you work with? Like, like Jesus said this. He said, man, you've got this power that's in your voice. How did you receive Jesus? By speaking over. By receiving Him through your mouth. From the confession of the mouth. Right? Romans 10.10 10, Man believes his heart and confesses with his mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. He shall be saved. That's how easy salvation is. Because that's salvation builds you up into eternity in an instant with the spoken word. How do we get cast into hell? By denying Christ with the spoken word. You're, man, what you say and who you say it to has so much power. I love what Proverbs says, and I'm going to read it in about four different versions, three different versions. Uh, Proverbs 12:18, English Standard says this, the one who is ra- who whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. He said, look man, your harsh words are like stabbing somebody. Can I be honest with you? Sometimes I'd rather have somebody cut me than say some, some of the things that have been spoken over my life. And then he goes on, he says this, but the man who who's wise, who know, Who understands things, uses His words to build the world up around Him. Uh, Proverbs 12.18, the same verse in the Message Bible, which I often love, says this, rash language cuts and maims. But there is healing words in the, of the wise. Now I want you to pay attention, let's put these two together. One says that it cuts. One says... That it it stabs and one says that it maims. I wonder how many people that I've maimed over the years with my words. To maim something is not just to cut it. It's to cut it in a way that it's never going to be the same again. I wonder how many people here are living lives that are maimed. Because you let somebody speak something over you. Or maybe you maimed somebody. Because you spoke stuff over them. Without realizing the power of it. The New Living Translation says this. Some people make cutting remarks. I love this one. But the words of the wise bring healing. So I guess my question is this. It says that, that your words can either be swords or maim or cut. But it also says that they can heal. Here's the power. You're a doctor with a, with a knife. You can either cut people. Or you can heal people. But you get the choice of how you do it. See one of, the, one of the problems that people have with Christianity. One of the reasons Jesus isn't famous yet in our world. Is because so many Christians went around cutting people. Rather than healing people. One of the heartbeats of our church is we're going to be a place of healing. Healing. We're going to be a place where you can come no matter how broken you are, how screwed up you are. Because here's the thing we're all broken and screwed up. You're not alone. And we're going to speak life into you. We're going to let you know that you can be better than what you think you can be. You can live a life in Christ that's so much better. The old you is dead, the new you is here. Let's focus on the new. Because here's the thing we don't bury up, we don't dig up dead things because they always stink. Now this week we're talking about how you speak over people. Next week we're going to talk about how you speak over yourself because you can't dig up dead stuff of your past and think about it and focus on it and talk about it all the time and be the new you. Words have the ability to change environments in future. Proverbs 15 says this. It says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Man, you can change a whole environment by the way you choose to speak back. Anybody ever, anybody, wife ever come home and you said hey and their head spun around? Glad you got such an easy job. You can come home happy. Some of us have to go to the gates of hell and deal with all the imps that I work with. But you come home and say, happy day. I was just coming in. Now, Here's the thing, on some days, men know what I'm talking about, we can live with that, right? We can just go, like, oh, it's okay, baby. Go get some pills out of the cabinet. Be careful which ones you offer her first. Some of y'all got that. Some of you, it'll hit you in the car. Some days, you're like, oh, let me tell you about my, you had such a bad, I think you need to shut your pie hole and hear I mean, I'm not saying that's an exact quote, but. If you want to start a fight, that'll get it going. Maybe we can just live like your crazy mama. That I promise, that'll just light one off like that. You're becoming more and more like your dad. Oh, I'm telling you, listen, I've been married long enough. I can guide. If you need help starting a fight, I can get you there. I can get you there. Ladies. Maybe my mama was right. I should have married. That's a precursor, by the way, to divorce. Can I just can we just put that up there? Okay. so here's the way. But what Scripture says is that a soft word turns away wrath and a harsh word stirs up anger. Here's what it says. You have the power to speak life and death. You want to have a fight? It's a death match. Anybody ever want to fight when you're married? No, because here's the thing. If both people are bleeding and bloody on the floor, who won? Is that really the life you want to live? See, part of the thing is controlling your tongue lets you pick the life that you're going to live. Are you going to live a life full of hope and of grace and full of mercy and a a relationship that your kids enjoy being home in and they want to come back home to? Or are you going to sit there and fight and carry on and act like a bunch of fools who don't know Jesus? Because Jesus said this. He said, man... When you come in and somebody's a little testy, just be okay. Just use a gentle word to turn around. wrath. Now, I've been practicing on this. In the last couple weeks, we've had some waitresses that make me want to shoot people. <laughs> like, if you got to bring my plate and drop it angrily on the table, my first thing I want to do is go, you know what? I am taking all her tip away. She doesn't deserve it. My wife doesn't deserve me to talk kind to her she hasn't earned it. Is't that really what we're saying? My kid hasn't earned me to be nice to him they, they deserve the way I'm talking to them. not sure that's Christ-like because if I have to earn Christ's forgiveness then I am way 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 never gonna make it So here's what I did. this has been here's the thing just because I feel like it doesn't mean I have to do it. That is a hard concept for me to learn. Can I get a witness? <laughs> like, dude, my default is easy. My flesh, let me tell you something. When my flesh gets going, it's like it, its like a—it's like an avalanche rolling down the mountain. Okay, nobody knows that song either. Okay, so anyway, so so once it gets going, I can't stop it until so I figure out I can. We're sitting there and the, the bill came and, and, and I'm I'm sitting there going, what's one percent? <laughs> and then the the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Man, you speak in a lot of ways. There's nonverbal speak. Has your wife ever looked at you and gone, fine? That's not fine. That's the opposite of fine. You can tell how mad a woman is by how fast her foot shakes. I just sit there and throw a gun on it. I'm like, yeah, uh 35 RPM. Oh, no, that's not good. Oh, she's up to 52. It's time for me to leave. Here's what I did. I, I, I chose this. I, I chose to bless people who despitefully use me. I chose to speak nice to my wife and kids when they don't deserve it. Because I'm going to come in in a mood one day and I'm going to need the grace such as a man sows. So shall I reap. What if, what if we said this? What if we said I want to transform environments with my words. I want to choose to be proactive rather than reactive. I don't have to react to everything. Lisa Walton just went in and we had a kid having a, a meltdown. I mean, a beloved, full-on, three-alarm, and some mace meltdown. <laughs> and I thought, so I walked in because I kind of caught it. And I'm like, hey, that's not the way we act. And she's like, I got this. In other words, Pastor, you don't do kids anymore. <laughs> but she had a soft word. It turned away my wrath. she brought this little kid up and he's I made full three alarm. Mama is shaking her head yes, melt the flip down at church. And she's like, tell me about it. I'm like, don't tell him about it, choke him out. <laughs> she sat there and loved on him and loved on him and loved on him. And as we walked away, the little boy laid his head down on her shoulder. She covered him in a blanket and he went to sleep. Because what I didn't know, he'd been up since 2 a.m., See, here's the reason your reaction matters more than you think it does. I could have walked in as a pastor and spoken death over a child that didn't need death spoken over him. What he needed was to be loosened into a nap. Does this make sense? Do you see how easy it is in a way that I don't think matters? All I'm trying to do is just keep the church under control and like keep some crazy kids from being crazy kids. Right? My heart's right. But because I didn't monitor the tone of my word, I could have scarred a kid. Now thank God I didn't. I'll thank Lisa after this. Here's my question. What if I here's the three things I think you really need to do. I think, I think that your words have the power to transform. They've got the power to shift. I think they can transform your marriage, your employment, your children. But here's the three things you've got to do. Three things before you get ready to react. It's the first thing you need to do is breathe. If you'll take the extra eight seconds it takes to inhale, pause, sila, think. Anybody ever says, anybody ever fired an email off and you thought, man, with three more minutes, that would have been a whole different outcome. Can I just say, if, if you're a note taker, will you just remember to breathe before you do? Can you you take a minute to breathe and and put yourself in their spot before you react? Number two, um, if you will begin to express gratitude to the people around you and use your words of affirmation, you will change the relationships that you're in. Hey, thank you for making me a sandwich. Hey, thank you for running the vacuum cleaner. Hey, thank you for taking the trash out. Hey, thank you for going to work in a job that you hate. Hey, thank you for raising our kids. Hey, thank you for being a good dad. Hey, thank you for mowing the yard. Hey, thank you for putting your hand in the toilet to find out what the miscellaneous object is inside of it that's clogged it up that ends up being a kid's airbrush that they decided to flush to see if it would go down to the drain. Hey, thank you for going to see what happens in the night. Hey, Thank you for being a good man. Hey, thank you for being a good woman. Hey, thank you for putting your toys up. Hey, thank you for not being a kid. We got to figure out where they are at three o'clock in the morning. Hey, thank you for not being on drugs. Hey, thank you for. Hey, what what happened? What if you were your employee? Would you like the words of affirmation that you use about you? Are you great? Are you do you use gratitude enough that would make you want to come work for you? Are you a grateful employee that you would want to have as an employee? Do you just dog your boss at lunch? Are you part of the clique that talks about them? Or are you the one that goes, look, man, they're doing the best they can. I don't want their job. Or, hey, they're doing the best they can, and I'm going to be the next one with their job. Anyway, um, here's, the, here's the third thing. So one is breathe. Two is express gratitude. And here's the third one. I think that you need to take time to pray and get God's vantage point on who you're talking to. I think it's easy to make assumptions. Here's the thing that we do. We want people we want to make assumptions about other people's intentions, but we want them to understand the heart of ours. We want to make assumptions on what they were doing. Well, I know what they were trying to do. Do you really? Do you really know what they were trying to do? Or are you just insecure enough in your identity that you can't assume that they were doing the best? You have to assume they did the worst because you're on such a power trip, you're afraid somebody's going to yank the rug out from under you. Yeah, no, that was a hard way to end the message, I know. but Identity comes from this of going, you know what, I choose as part of my identity. I'm going to be a person that uses words of affirmation to build the world up around me because that's what Jesus did in me. I'm going to talk about this next week. But Jesus, Wendy and I were talking about this this week and she actually added a week to this. If you get mad, it's her fault. But she said, hey, why did God change Peter's name from Simon to Peter? Why did He change Saul's name from Saul to Paul? God looks so much at our identity that He's like, I have to change your name sometimes so that you can get a new vantage point on where I'm taking you. Here's my question. What if today you you left God's house saying god i'm going to look like you i'm going to i'm going to use such words of affirmation to everybody around me i'm going to make myself sick but i'm going to be the person i would want to be around does that make sense man would you come to church every sunday if people were building you up and there were the biggest sets of fans you had would you want to come home early from work if that was the biggest fan group you had daddy's home mama's home yes, they're here. The best part is home. Because here's what I believe. I believe that if if God isn't biblically filling the words of affirmation in your home and in your life, and you're not doing it in other people's lives, here's what I'm going to make you promise. The devil will use somebody else to do it. He'll use something else to do it. So I, I, I believe this. I believe that it's time... That with with our words of affirmation, with our words of hope, with our words that look like Jesus' words, we have to begin to fill these these holes in the people in our lives. Lives. Can we pray? Father, for every person that's here, um, God, that, that... that is wrestling with their identity, God, can you begin to make... Words of affirmation, such a part of who and what they are. God, it doesn't matter what their spouse does in return. It doesn't matter what their kids do in return. God, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. God, will you let them today make the choice to live a life that echoes what you looked like, God. And that was affirming and believing in the people around them. God, expressing gratitude to the people around them. God, expressing thankfulness. God, taking time to pray and get the vantage point of the Father before reacting. Father, this isn't isn't an attitude or a lifestyle that's going to happen overnight, but God, with your help, it will happen. This is the people, we are the people that you can transform us into being sounding and acting like your children. So Father, with every person today that has to make this shift in their life, God, I, I pray over them. God, I ask that that for every person that, that realizes today, God, that they're not using their words to loosen people, but God, they've been binding folks up. God, maybe in their marriage, maybe in their job, God, maybe in their relationships with their kids, God, maybe in their employment. Father, whatever it is, will you give them the strength and the courage, God, to speak hope and life into a world that needs it so badly? God, to affirm their spouses, to affirm their employees, their children. God, their neighbor. The waitress when they leave here. Father, for every person that's watching that may be far away from you. If you're watching this morning or you're here in house and, and you're far away from God and you're like, man, I, I, I know that I need to come back. A I know that I need Jesus. I want you to know this. Jesus believes in you. He, he has a hope for your life and for the future of your life. If that's you, will you just slip your hand up here or, or online? Will you just slip your hand up? Can we pray together? Dear Heavenly Father, I invite you into my life. Thank You for believing in me even when I don't believe in myself. Forgive me of my sins and make me a son or daughter of the living God. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, give these folks a round of applause. Man, I appreciate you so much. Thank you for being part of our Thrive Tribe. If you want to partner with this ministry and what the Lord is doing here at Thrive, visit thrivechurchonline.com and click on the Give tab. Help us reach more people just like you by rating and subscribing to this podcast. You don't want to miss what's coming next.